I'm here with Taya and Michelle of the Lorgoifs. Thank you both so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, looking uh, forward to chatting with you. Thanks so much. Um, why don't we get started? Uh, the two of you could introduce yourselves a little bit, tell us how you got into Magic's story, and tell us a little bit about just your involvement with the community. Um, Michelle, why don't you start? Oh, gosh. Uh, hey, I am Michelle Rapp. Um, I have been playing Magic since 2014 or thereabouts, uh, when my when one of my the startups that I was at em, that before it imploded decided to spend a lot of money on booster boxes and give us lots of cards. <laughs> so, um, with that wise technical investment, I'm sure they're there. I'm sure their backers were pleased. Um, but ever since then, I I kind of was immediately drawn to story because I I got in right at the end of the um, last three block set, which was uh, cons. Uh, Kons of Tarkir, Fate Reforged, and Dragons of Tarkir. And I, I was really intrigued by the setting because one, it's all Central Asia. And I'm like, oh my God, it's a whole set with like different Asian representation. That's super cool. Not only that, but you know, there's also a trans woman in the setting and <laughs> this is just fantastic. I love it. So I immediately was like, oh, I always thought that magic was for, you know, people who didn't look like me. And as it turns out, you know, there were people who looked like me who, and clearly people who cared about the things I cared about um, were like their perspective was being presented in these cards, which I thought was very, very cool. Um, so, yeah, since then, um, a couple of years later, um, a few friends like in my local game store here in San Francisco were like, hey, we're starting this podcast and we're like, do you want to join? And I said, sure, I'm not working in the startup anymore. Let's do it. <laughs> I've sworn <laughs> off startups. Let's, I, I now have time. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so uh, we, we started there and that's that's where the Lorgoifs came from. Like we, um, you know, we, we sat around together. I helped come up with the name and I created the first logo um, you know, I just, it's funny. I found my notes the other day, uh, from our first five episodes where we talked about the, um, the identifying like, uh, creatures for each color. Um, so that was really, really fun. Um, but yeah, so I've been pretty much part of the magic community since then. I kind of fell in really hard and really deep and it's been a quite a journey. Yeah, um, I started playing in Revised because I'm old, uh, and <laughs> I you know, picked up a, <laughs> I'm old, I picked up a starter deck at Electronics Boutique, you know, when I was 14, and got hooked right away, um, played steadily through college, and then took a almost 15-year break when all my stuff got stolen, which really sucked. I've oh. been playing continually since uh m13 uh and i'm a big collector uh and you know always was a huge fan of the story back from when we got you know really bad novels that had nothing to do with the game and then started getting the weather like saga <laughs> um, one of the first things i did when i came back to the game was catch up on you know 15 years of missed story uh and you know I spent a lot of time on the, you know, magic wiki, um, just catching up and just ra rabbit holing down what's happened to Nicol Bolas since then. And then, you know, I've just been a huge fan of the lore since then. Uh, 
Um, spent a lot of time on Twitter talking about it. I guested on Lore Goyf several times before becoming a cast member last March. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's like my favorite part of uh, magic besides all the cool people I've met through it. By the way, Taya, you're not been, you're not old. You're just you're seasoned. You're seasoned. <laughs> you know, like like you've you've you're like a good cabernet. You know, <laughs> sitting in a French cellar. <laughs> I Bring you I'm out. glad you said that because I didn't have a good way to Savor express that, that thought. <laughs> Taya's like a really freaking like awesome Bordeaux, you know, like big and bold and, 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 and spicy and just <laughs> nice earthy notes, you know, spicy. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah. I kind of like that. Um, all right. Uh, well, you all as part of the Lorgoifs, Michelle longer for this, uh, have been part of the Vorthos community for a while. Um, and then separately, oh, yeah. of course, we as well. We heard the OG Vorthos um, podcast, yeah. <laughs> right, you, I would say at, the, at least one of, if not the longest running. Um, but recently you've announced that you all are going on at least a temporary sabbatical. Can you tell us what went into this decision or what caused this? Um, uh, Tay, do you want to go first or, or I can go? Um, well, I think part of it has just been, you know a lot of exhausted story moments over the last few years. And, you know, we feel like we're, we're doing a lot of, you know, effort. We're spending a lot of our own money. Um, and, you know, it's really supporting a product that in a lot of ways we feel wasn't supporting us, um, you know, as part of it. And mm-hmm. it just was, you know, I for one love writing the story summaries. I really love writing the ad segments and it was just, uh, you know, it was kind of getting to the point where the stories were, um, you know, they, they had improved in some places and then, then Strixhaven, uh, you know, one of our last episodes, Michelle and I were just totally fangirling over the preview art and everything. And, uh, yeah, Michelle, I think this is a good place for you to pick it up. Um, so at least for me personally, the decision um, came, I think, in two parts. Uh, there's when you're doing a podcast together, it's like it's like you're in a band, you know, or you're in a club or something like that where you've got a group together. And especially something that's long term, um, like like the Lorgoifs, um, you know, I we've we've weathered a lot. Uh, we we've seen we, we had to let go of some toxic co-hosts. Um, we had, you know, some issues arise here and there. We've always, we've always weathered it out, uh, mostly because any issues in-house we could focus on because the stuff that we were focusing on out of house, which was like the story wizards, the community that was generally speaking fine. Um, you know, because we could always return to our enthusiasm for what's being produced. With the create, with the advent of Strixhaven, um, and definitely within the past couple of years, I think, as Tay has mentioned, we've seen the direction of narrative 
go in places where we just I don't know I I don't want to like throw in a, a stars reference this early but I'm just like I'm just you know I feel like we are literally that gif of like Padme staring at Anakin and just being like where are you going I can't follow you like I, I can't go down this road love. <laughs> um and it's it's just a lot of interesting I guess interesting is a charitable way of putting it um decisions being made with regards to um characters given their previous um depictions um for i mean the biggest example here i think is chandra not only that but not only that but i think the quality of the writing the, the decision to outsource it um that had also received very mixed results so i, I think just the the combining the chaos of Nar- narrative within wizards um that along with like the fact that if things just got from bad to literally like painful and and hurtful <laughs> like that was a really really right. big problem i think the other thing is so so do we now have an out of house like fire um internally i also feel like you know, we, the pandemic has been really hard on all of us. You know, we have um, had to reschedule a lot of pivotal moments in our lives. Um, a lot of us, like myself included, like I struggle with depression and anxiety and being stuck inside mm-hmm. and like having to mm-hmm. balance my safety with my mental health has been um, really, really tough. And I know that uh, like other our other members of our podcast have also been going through a lot of personal things so i think just the combination of like in-house stuff versus out-of-house stuff it's just right. i think it's just too much and i i feel like i felt like as a group at least and like stop me Taya, if i'm speaking for you if i if this is not accurate at all but i feel like um it was a much better idea to step back and use the energy that we would have um I guess allocated to creating the podcast to bettering our personal quality of life. I felt like yeah. that was way okay. more important to us as a group of, you know, colleagues, but also as a group of friends because we care about each other. We we want each other to be happy and if doing this is going to be a net negative for all of us, um if we're no longer if if this no longer sparks joy, you know, it's time, I think, to like Marie Kondo and just say like, thank you for the memories and just put it, <laughs> put it over here for a second and then see if we're going to, you know, come back to it. Right. Yeah, that, that pretty much summarizes the feelings. You know, I've, the last eight weeks has been a, a bit of a personal struggle dealing with my mom's health issues and then eventual passing and, you know, kind of, killed my enthusiasm for a lot of things and then it's just uh yeah it's been um it's been kind of hard and you know i've been really excited about the direction of story for the last you know set in set and a half had been going i enjoyed the um Kaldheim story um, mm-hmm. you know it does feel like they're just trying to cram too much into too little as well um too short of a time with their new five week release period um and i don't know i just haven't felt 
you know, the same attachment to it that I had before. I haven't even looked at this week's story yet for Strixhaven. Um, although I absolutely love my uh, young elemental twins. They're, they're so adorable. And uh, I'm kind of sad we're not getting a, uh, you know, barbecue dad Garuk actually in the set. <laughs> we were, we were, that was a really fantastic Twitter thread. I, I really hope like one day we get like Magic the Gathering Secret Lair Dad Edition. The dads of, of Magic Lore in their various like. With, the father, like, the Father's Daddy, Day Secret you know, Lair. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. We could have like, cause, cause, Garrick is absolutely a grill dad. Teferi is nerd dad. I think science dad. And I think like, <laughs> oh gosh, like, you know, Sora is goth dad. I, I feel we can, we can keep going. Sorry. This is, this is how Terry and I ended up being a, a comedy podcast, you know? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like Angrath would be like, the he, soccer he team loves... dad. He would be like the coach. Oh no! We, yeah, we except it's murder ball dad. instead of soccer. We actually thought yeah. he was more of a car dad because he's got a blacksmithing yeah. background. So I can totally yeah. see, like, he's the kind of dad that would teach his daughters, like, this is how you change a tire. This is how you check your oil. This is, you know, here you just how to execute a perfect three point turn. Um, <laughs> this yeah. is how you execute your foes using the three point <laughs> turn. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You really have to accelerate the end. You've got to commit. <laughs> <laughs> Double tap. Um, <laughs> yeah, I make sure to back it up too. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of, kind of segueing into, or going back to one of the things you were talking about, um, about how the last magic story had kind of a good uptick for the last set or two, and then Strixhaven comes along, and with it problems to put it very simply um michelle you especially have been very outspoken about the killian lou storyline on your twitter and recently on the goblin lore cast um and uh not just you of course but can would you like to just go into what exactly was is going on with that and what the problems are with that particular aspect of the story. Gotcha. So, um, like many things in life, especially when we deal with the intersection of identity, uh, race, um, media representation and also game design, <laughs> uh, we end up with what I would describe is a lasagna of problems, <laughs> um, <laughs> at least in this particular regard, uh, except this time it's with soy sauce. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, actually, that sounds, that sounds interesting. Who knows? I don't know. I feel like I should try that sometime. But anyway, the, so uh, when, I first was super uh, like every Asian person I knew who played magic and who I, who I talked to and more and more folks. Like when we saw Killian, we were like, yes, <laughs> yes, this is, this is like the handsome, like very well done, like K-pop influenced, ha- like very attractive 
Asian dude that we've like always wanted to see in magic. Like we've got Sarkon, but let's be real here. Sarkon doesn't care too much about how he looks and it's very apparent. Um, granted, he spent a lot of his life with two dragons in his head telling him what to do. So that can do a lot of damage to a person. But this time we've got Killian. Uh, at least that's what we thought. We we were like, oh, that, that's going to be so great. And then that Dice Breaker article came out. So immediately upon reading it, I have to give kudos uh, to Ryan, um, Barbarian, read something. I'm sorry, Ryan, I can't think of your Twitter handle offhand, but um, he actually like tagged me. I think he's on a different time zone than me. So I woke up on the West Coast and I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I see this. I literally wake up, I read this article and I just, I remember taking off my glasses and just doing like a face palm and being like, no, um, because the way that they had chosen to depict him as per this article was as the son of one of the deans of the colleges of Strixhaven. Now that in and of itself is not necessarily an issue. It becomes a problem when he is being also described as, um, you know, hardworking, a really good student, etc. And that's, that's also not inherently too much of an issue, but then we also get the tiger parents on top of that. Um, which is to say uh, his dad, Dean Ambrose. It's been very established by this point that Silverquill looks like the least um, happy college at Strixhaven. But uh, what was really, really jarring about that article was the way that it very clearly touched on so many Asian stereotypes. Um, First being the model minority and the second being um, the tiger parent. So uh, the model minority myth uh, was created in 1966 uh, by William Peterson, who was a white sociologist who uh, basically wanted to describe the sociological phenomenon of Japanese Americans um, reestablishing themselves within American uh, society and recouping a lot of the wealth and the success that they had lost before they, you know, the U.S. decided to detain everybody on the West Coast um, who was Japanese. And it was then um, co-opted by U.S. News World Report with regards to Chinese um, immigrants who had come in in 1965-1966 as part of a merit-based immigration um, effort. Uh, basically, this article point, also pointed out, hey, look at all these Asian folks. They're super like successful and then that idea uh that idea permeated like basically took its nestled itself within the american subconscious and became um essentially a measuring stick that was used against other people of color uh at least within the united states so um of course the myth i i don't know if i need to tell you all this but the, the myth isn't true <laughs> it, it this <laughs> might shock you <laughs> hashtag spoilers um, i had had an inkling but yeah it is yeah. it is a slight surprise to many people but uh, if you actually break down the demographic of you know the, the perceived asian model minority you actually can see like we're, we're actually not that much better at that than anyone else um we're not 
you know, there are a lot of high performing Asian Americans out there, but if you look at us versus like other demographics, there's still quite a few Asian folks who are not making that mark either, um, at least according to, uh, you know, things like studies and SAT scores and whatnot. The other thing that isn't being counted for either is um, the the places where these folks are coming from. So for example, um, like I mentioned before, we had this merit-based system immigration policy that opened um, up immigration to East Asians uh, in 1965. Now the folks that were coming in that were being permitted to come in uh, were people usually from upper middle class families who um, had advanced degrees. So it would make sense, of course, that they would come over here, find their skills to be transferable and be able to you know, make and sustain an income um, that would be higher than say those uh, Vietnamese, for example, immigrants like my family that came in during the 1970s um, from a war-torn country. So folks coming from the Philippines, folks coming from Vietnam um, may, and from Laos, like those folks don't tend to do as well, mostly because, yeah, we, we didn't come in here with a lot of income. We actually came here without pretty much almost anything. Like my family came here with literally just the clothes on their backs. <laughs> And which was hilarious because then the, they got church clothes that were way too big for them. It was really funny. Um, but it is a real, it basically, this, what I'm trying to say is that this art, this trope basically paints a whole range of individuals, like a whole, literally people coming from an entire continent with the same brush. And that's just not true. If you look at any continent, right? Like you can, if you look at the North America, like that's just not, you can't paint all of this, but you can't say that one experience um, defines everyone within this region. Um, so it is definitely um, something that is used often to not only keep Asian Americans quote unquote in their place and to give them and to show that show them off as like a token diversity person, but also um, as a way to excoriate like black, indigenous, Latinx folks for like not doing as well in a system that um, actually, you know, oppresses them. Um, it, it, the model minority myth really holds up this idea of the meritocracy, um, that the idea that you can achieve anything within the American dream um, as long as you, you know, keep your head down and you work hard. And we, we know that that isn't true. Um, we know that there's more to it. So that's one aspect. Um, the other part of this is the tiger parent myth. And there is some truth to that in the sense that um, a lot of East Asian cultures do take some inspiration and do have some influence from traditional Confucian philosophy, especially um, the idea that the family is a unit. Um, if you think like Game of Thrones, you know, like um, when you remember, I don't know, I'm, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Game of Thrones, it's been around for 20 years, but I don't know, I guess I'm gonna spoil it for you anyway. Um, and for the Starks, like Rob, who is the eldest and therefore heir to Winterfell um, and King of the North, et cetera, et cetera. Like he decides to marry some nobody. And that is a huge problem for the family, right? And it's not actually too dissimilar from like the way that um, a lot of uh, a lot of East Asian families who prescribe to the um, Confucian ideal 
think of themselves. Like your kids are essentially your next opportunity, your family's next opportunity to better themselves. So your child's success is therefore the family's success. And this makes sense for a society in which, um, you know, in order to gain a government position, this was a very big thing um, in Chinese history, you could actually become a government official by taking a test. Uh, it doesn't even matter like where you're from, what your background is, as long as you're able to pass that test, you could immediately elevate your family from poverty. Um, you could move them into the next social bracket, which was a really, really big deal. So there is that mindset, but it's the idea that every Asian parent would do this. Um, it, it's so, again, um, really dilutes, really, um, really creates a very shallow understanding of, of like Asian culture and in particular the idea that there is no such thing as like real affection between like parent and child. Like it's, it, it's really all about just, you know, do your homework. Why did you get an A minus, et cetera, et cetera. Like these are just memes that we've seen from everything from like Family Guy to, to Saturday Night Live. Um, it, it's, there are going to be people who are like that, but that's definitely not the entire population, right? So mm -hmm. that's what's so damaging about Killian Liu's presentation here. That's what's so really not okay about his story. He, um, regardless of the way he, what the intention was, the effect of what we see is um, once again a um, an emphasis on these really really harmful stereotypes. So. I hope that answers your question. I know that's very long-winded, but it is also a very complex <laughs> issue. No, uh, it's, uh, it, it's yeah. exactly and, and, an answer. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing too is just like, you know, as, as an Asian American, like, or as an Asian person, we don't get much representation, right? That's changing a little bit nowadays. But for a good majority of my life, I didn't get to you know play other characters i was always just the asian one like i always play, got to play trini i only could only play trini on the playground <laughs> like if i played power oh, rangers no. um, <laughs> and she was the yellow ranger we won't get into that um mm. but it, it's but we've seen this trope so often that it's important that especially nowadays with um asian american hate crimes on the rise we and not just in america but elsewhere as well um, we need to be more mindful. We need to be more careful about how we um, depict people who look like us, people who are inspired by us within media. It doesn't even matter that it's a card game, like anywhere, anywhere that get, get, gets eyes. Like we, we need to be more careful about that. Agreed. I was going to say, you know, when seeing Michelle and others talk about this and, you know, obviously I can't, put myself in exactly their shoes and how they feel about it. But I just thought of like, what would happen if they had the set that came out and looked like it was just full of super awesome queer people. And then it's like, Oh, the story is all about family trauma. It's like, yeah, I don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need that. Um, and, and that's a thing too. It's like how, and I guess it goes into the question of like, how do we depict these sorts of things within media? And, 
I guess, is Magic the Gathering, aka a card game, the best way of depicting that? You know, what what tools do we have within this game design to really get into the nitty gritty of these sorts of really not very nuanced, very hurtful experiences? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's an excellent point, actually. Changing directions a little bit. There have been, over the last couple of years, a uh, not exactly a shortage of story-related controversy, with the uh, starting with the War of the Spark books and honestly the whole handling of the Ravnica of the third Ravnica story, um, all the way up to this most recent stuff with Killian Lou. Do heavily to your position as a Vorthos podcast group. It seems like people call on y'all a lot to be the spokesperson for the Vorthos community or to get the to get the your viewpoint again just because of your position. How does that make y'all feel? <laughs> I I uh Tay, do you want to go first? I mean I can, yeah. Nobody reaches out to me. Um that's all Michelle, <laughs> but <laughs> uh what? Oh. Yeah, it's uh you know, I kind of look at it as one of the things that, you know, I was always proud about with the podcast and community is that we just were, you know, brutally honest about how we felt about things. We didn't consider whether it would damage our relationship with wizards or keep us from getting preview cards or, you know, we were trying to be nice so we could get jobs at wizards or something. We just told things how we felt they were. And I think that. Um, you know, it's something that a lot of people in the community appreciate. Yeah. Um, I always, I, I do get people reaching out to me uh, from time to time about like, oh, hey, this, and like, that's how I learned about Killian. And I think it was um, incredibly important. And Taya's right, like absolutely on the money. Number one, the number one priority for us was to tell it like we saw it. Um, you know, we have a lot of privilege in the sense that we have a platform, we've created this platform, we can afford that, that platform in order to get our message out. And as people who are, who care deeply about the magic community, who also care deeply about marginalized representation, um, I think it was almost, I almost felt it like, and I think maybe Teo, you as well, we almost felt it like it was like our duty to point stuff out you know like because if we didn't do it maybe someone might else might be able to but we have the platform so we might as well go for it you know yeah i mean that that really does summarize um you know kind of how we feel that was it's just you know we're gonna talk about how we feel about the story and how we relate to it and Mm-hmm. that's you know one thing that you know like you mentioned goblin lower as well is that they've taken a step back away from the story for the last you know year and a half or so and spend a lot more time on the real world implications and mm-hmm. you know i kind of mix it in and like yeah primarily we're going to do a comedic retelling of the story and you know obviously take some liberties with that when appropriate like our um you know, the last preview card we got was for Ikoria, and it was the 
um, I don't remember the exact name of it, it was the poor kitty getting executed. And it's like, no, this story isn't going to work for us. We have to change that. <laughs> Heartless it's ass. It's like, how do you, yeah, heart, <laughs> how do you get, you know, it's like, no, this isn't the podcast for this. And Michelle came up with this really adorable idea, uh, you know, about rescuing the kitty. And yeah, maybe we never got another card preview because of that or some of our other criticism, but we did what we wanted to do. Yeah, I I mean, I, knowing Wizards the way we do, I, I doubt that it was probably because we we did what we did with our preview card. I think it was probably more just like, you know, we're a Vorthos podcast, and even though we're known within the Vorthos community, I, I think there's a lot of like esports and, and streaming, like that's the hotness right now, like arena so um, they probably just were like, let's let's p- pivot away from these um, older creators and move towards like this, like really attractive esports people. Like that's kind of how I, I see it. Yeah. Pretend for a moment that you had the opportunity to speak with the Magic Story team, um, and just talk about how about <laughs> how you feel directly to them. Uh, <laughs> And I know that's I, I know that's kind of a big <laughs> that's kind of a big ask. But what would uh, aside from what are you doing? What would you what would you want to say to them? And how would you suggest that they do better, uh, Teo? Sure. I mean, I'll start, and and I do have to give credit where you know it's obviously due. Over the last couple of years, they've had a lot more people of color writing story. They've had a lot more, um, you know, bringing in the external people has been good in that because they're getting more representation across the spectrum of, you know, life experiences. Uh, What I do think is missing at this point, though, is going back to, you know, these external authors, or even if you're given an internal author, you know, like artists, they're given you know, a prompt to write to. And if that prompt is already starting off with a, you know, problematic uh, approach, then the outcome is going to be similar. So I think, you know, from my point of view, the biggest thing I would say is that there needs, that representation needs to be internal as well so that people can raise issues as early in the process as possible. Like when you're getting to the point where when you're doing concepting and based on some of the information that came out about uh, killing over the last week is that where that even started from, you know, the whole concept for silver quill sounded kind of awful and maybe it would have been, you know, good for someone to point that out really early in the process. It's like, do you need, you know, mean girls slash ROTC school in the environment at all. You know, this is, it doesn't have to mimic reality. This is a fantasy world. We can make it a better place than reality is. They could just not admit those people to Strixhaven. Uh, so I, I think it's, I like the, where they were going with the story and bringing in, you know, these, um, you know, traditionally marginalized writers to do them, but the process needs to go back further. Um, You know, ultimately, that's the sort of thing that the management is responsible for. And, you know, they finally showed Kalman the door. Uh, He never should have been hired in the first place. But uh, so maybe 
that'll change now. And I don't know, but, you know, when you're looking at timelines, you know, at the earliest, we'd see improvements in two to three years based on, you know, feedback that's given today. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest issues that we have with not just narrative, but with wizards overall, particularly when it comes to issues of representation, is lack of transparency. Um, this is not the first time in recent memory that Wizards has absolutely not done a great job dealing with people of color, uh, whether in fiction or in real life. Uh, recently, there was the issue with um, Candle Keep Mysteries, um, where a um, BIPOC uh, uh, writer uh, basically had their entire adventure changed to essentially colonialist like colonialist sort of language and and denigrating language like words regarding um the 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 class that they had the the particular race they had chosen to tell the story that they wanted to tell um there was also orion's departure i believe last year uh due to basically just have being being treated as almost like a token per, like diversity person and having his uh, their ideas co-opted um in front of them and I think that speaks very much to a culture, a corporate culture that is struggling to understand how to, how and where to incorporate uh, diverse voices. Um, I, I agree completely with Taya that that stuff needs to begin at the very top, at the very like conceptual level. So we're talking world building. Um, and I think once you get to the very thesis of the plane of this world, if he, if it starts out flawed, then it's going to come out flawed. I think that um, there have been quite a few diversity and sensitivity and culture consultants brought in. But um, again, it's very unclear as to what kind of power those individuals have, whether or not their suggestions are taken seriously or if they're disregarded. And I also think that there is just an uneven amount of application of those resources across the board. Um, of course, you know, every business has a million things running at the same time. So things will probably get overlooked. I think that's what happened with Killian in this particular case. Mm. So it becomes a moment of like it, it becomes a question of like uh, transparency. It becomes a question of, um, you know, how, what are your power dynamics within your teams? Um, are you really making sure you're listening to the right people on this? Um, did you, you know, like, did you test this? <laughs> I think like, you know, like, Taya, you're a, you're a software engineer, right? So like you, you've yeah. got to get, you've got to QA this stuff. Like we don't want like cyberpunk 2077 again, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, ultimately I'm, I'm a security person and in a lot of ways, software struggles from the same problem. If security isn't involved earlier, you're trying to patch things that were flawed from the beginning and there's only so much you can do at certain points. And I think in a lot of cases, that's what we're, especially with the info, you know, about Silverquill that was shared 
uh, with from Mara this week. It just seems like from the very beginning that there's flaws that need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. So I think that if Wizards wants to continue a dialogue with its community, um, at least a productive one, I, I think that they're going to have to be also more open about how this whole process goes down, right? Um, we had to find out via like essentially an insider tweet that an Asian American woman wrote this, uh, wrote Killian. And that certainly mm-hmm. changed some of the things, um, some of my perspective on the issue. But the fact that there hasn't been much communication about what they're doing, about what's going on. I mean, I've received communication about what's going on. and But the fact that that's not being made generally well known I think that's a huge um, setback for Wizards. I think it erodes a lot of trust. And especially after the events of Forsaken, um, I think that the narrative team, the world building team, they they can't afford not to be more open about what's going on if if they want to improve, right? Because otherwise people like me and you and everyone are just sitting there like, all we've got is this information. And given your past, we're just going to assume the worst. Um, so if you don't want us to do that, then you need to be more open. Okay. Um, it, it's, I, I think it comes down to that. Like, even when they cancel the Theros story, they're just like, we'll maybe publish it later if it meets our quality standards. That really wasn't being open about what were the problems? Why did you decide not to publish it? You know, it, I think from a transparency standpoint, that would have built a lot more trust than just saying, yeah, we're not going to put this out there. <laughs> exactly. That <laughs> makes us think like, oh, dear Lord, like what was in those stories? Yes. Like, <laughs> my, like what, what happened? Did Elspeth just go and commit a genocide? Like what happened? <laughs> or the other side of it. Uh, you didn't like our last story, so you don't get any story. Yeah, and that's that's also a, a legitimate viewpoint, right? From from a fan base, like, oh, do, are you just withholding this from us because we reacted poorly? Um, so, yeah, get get your comms together, like, be more open, make sure your people, make sure that your marginalized folks are in positions of power. Um, listen to diversity consultants and culture consultants. Like, this is, mm-hmm. it's hard and it's difficult, but it's necessary, I think, for. Um, for what they're for their product to excel and to shine right um at least in the way that they they claim that they want it to be um okay yeah like i don't know it's really weird because like watsi also published a thing where they're like oh we're making huge donations to stop aapi hate and i'm like okay <laughs> after the killing storm like ah <laughs> uh, hmm Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now pretend that you could speak to the entire magic community, pretending that our listener base is that large. <laughs> um, uh, what what What's do you up? think that <laughs> what do you think we as a community can do to help push for that type of improvement? I mean, I just respectfully engaging with, you know, blizzard or wizard respectfully engaging with wizards give them (laughs) the feedback but do it you know as a critique and 
you know, positive feedback, not as, oh, we hate this, we don't want this, you know, you're awful people. It's especially the people you're interacting with in the, you know, like the public chat, um, you know, via their Twitter accounts and stuff like that. These people have nothing to do with the story, um, mm-hmm. you know, attacking them over any decision, whether it's, you know, this card is broken or someone printed another stupid Simic card or something. You know, they have no control over that. Be respectful, but, you know, know that there are people who are tracking, you know, the product sentiment, brand sentiment at at the companies like this. So, you know, give a critique, make sure it's known. And also, you know, highlight things that are working well. You know, don't just tweet when things are bad or, you know, share what you enjoy and what you like and what makes um, the community happy and that. Uh, hopefully, you know, and I think we have seen improvements in some areas and, you know, just not in others, or it's just, and I, I think you can say this from the beginning of Magic, you know, 28 years ago to now, the biggest consistency with story is that it's been inconsistent and <laughs> it just has never been um, handled in a consistent manner. The last <laughs> 10 years um, kind of, starting with Return to Ravnica pretty much on, so not even quite 10 years, they've had more cohesion to where they're going, but there's still so many ups and downs. Um, and the, the quality, um, I mean, it, it's just like the foil cards. We're getting too much curl in our story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you know. no amount of humidity is going to fix narrative, though. <laughs> there are not enough silica packets in the world to undo what was done with forsaken yeah i mean my my commander legends um pringles probably are feeling that way but uh yeah it's really you know it's engaged respectively it's just Mm -hmm. you know we're we're doing this we talk about this because we really care about it you know like the amount of effort that we put into, you know, working on a podcast, generating it, you know, handling discussions on Twitter, coming on other podcasts to talk about it is because we really do, you know, love the game or love the setting. Uh, you know, we're, we still have an ongoing Ravnica D&D campaign, which is absolutely amazing. And I love it. And it just feels like, you know, there's pieces that are missing that need to be fixed and it's balancing, you know, how much investment you want to put into it. And, you know, like any hobby, um, you know, and also just tying it to, you know, how you feel about wider business decisions outside the Vorthos community. The, um, you know, secret layer has been awesome from a Vorthos point of view from getting this, all these different art styles Mm -hmm. and, new depictions of characters that are, you know, you wouldn't see otherwise or out of scope. Um, you know, they're not part of the current story, but they're also, you know, obviously a huge money grab and they make, they're making wizards and Hasbro an absolute killing and the money, um, you know, money side. So is this something that people want to continue supporting? You know, are, you happy um, with the way things are going? They announced the, you know, the expanded universe stuff where they're bringing in third-party IP. That, to me, that doesn't impact the Vorthos side at all. You know, I've always loved 
Um, you know, I love altars. I love using things that have nothing to do with magic in my art. Um, so this is like totally cool with me. Um, it has nothing to do with Vorthos, but a lot of people are kind of upset. I mean, it has nothing to do with Vorthos from the story point of view. It still covers, you know, the art aspects. Um, some people just aren't going to like the, you know, the aesthetic of someone having a, you know, 40 K mech or whatever coming in. Um, I mean, I'm fine. I liked the invasion art. Uh, I still want them to release a Titan engine vehicle at some point that can only be crewed by planeswalkers, but it's yeah. Just engage and talk about what you like and what you don't like. Okay. Um, Yeah. I think Taya hit it. I think Taya hit it on the head. (laughs) I don't know what else quite to say, but (laughs) yeah. um, One of the, I think giving, I also just want to acknowledge like giving that kind of feedback, constructive feedback is, is not something that is natural to most people, to the, the gross majority of people. I, I only learned it from uh, like uh, taking art and illustration classes and it's, it's tricky, right? Um, because you, when you look at a, product or or someone's work you know you have to train yourself to think critically about what you're seeing what you're experiencing and also figure out a way to put those experiences and your concerns what excites you what disappoints you into um in a way that the other person is going to listen and i think that's the the part that I think Taya really hits a, I mean, Taya has been, Taya has been hitting so many nails on the head. It's like, you're, you're like building a house here. It's like Habitat for Humanity. Um, but I, I, it's, it is difficult. I just want to acknowledge that it's difficult, but it's necessary. Um, if you want to be able to talk to someone and change their mind and be persuasive, it's much easier if you give them the opportunity or a plan to and sh- to show them how, right? Um, I I was just we were just talking before the uh, the podcast about this other podcast that I was listening to about um, people who have vaccine doubt, and uh, I think one of the failings that the medical community has done so far, the established community um, has, they've definitely failed to meet people where they are as far as like their their concern because it's not, not not like everyone is going to be like no vaccines you know there are definitely people who are going to have legitimate questions about it and they shouldn't be shamed for having those questions right um they should be given information um they should be shown like empathy and compassion and sometimes you know i realize my tweets definitely don't always have the most empathy and compassion when it comes to talking about killian lou but I also try to like couch that in a lot of just why and what you could be doing better. And like, let's focus on the real harm that's being done here. Here are the results of what you've done. And I think that is incredibly important when you're trying to engage, especially a whole freaking company um, in dialogue, right? But that is the most powerful thing that you can do um, as a consumer. The best, the most, um, the loudest language that any corporation is going to understand, especially a publicly traded one, is when its consumers stand up and say, like, we're not about that life. So (laughs) keep engaging, keep keep talking to people, 
this is how we get change done. Okay. Um, like that... you do not, like you do not have to be part of the company in order to make change. I think that's actually very important. The the biggest change often comes from outside the the company. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I think that just about wraps us up. Uh, before we go, is there anything you'd like to say to the Vorthos community? And if you would like people to be able to find you on social media, where can they do so? Uh, Michelle. Well, yeah, ta- I'm Taya. Uh, Taya Transcends on Twitter. Um, and also, um, you know, still keep an eye on the Lorgoyfs account. Feel free to interact with us there. You know, we're, like I said, we're taking a sabbatical. We're not disappearing. We're still part of the community. Um, you know, what comes next after we take a break or whatever, you know, we'll see. Um, right now we're going to sit back and assess where we are, but yeah, you know, Twitter's definitely the best place to reach me. Um, you know, love to play some more, um, webcam EDH. Anybody want to hit me up on that? Just DM me because I really need to play more. I haven't gotten to play nearly enough lately and it's awful. Uh, and I just, and I have so much stuff to draft once I can actually see people again. <laughs> so hard not to crack all those boxes but um yeah and it's just you know it's not going to be easy but also you know don't feel bad if you decide that you know you don't want to engage with this hobby anymore if it's not making you happy like michelle said you know recondo it just set it aside think about it later move on you know it's uh I've known quite a few people who have stopped actively playing lately, but they're still part of the wider community. And that's great. Uh, You know, you don't have to, you don't have to be sleeving up cards to be part of the community and just, you know, engage with the pieces that you enjoy. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's, those are wise words. Um, Taya, did you did you like give yourself a, a wisdom score of at least fifteen? Because I feel like I feel like you deserve that in your character stats. <laughs> 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 Sorry, going into D and D mode. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I. Uh, yeah, I'll remember that. Um, if you ever static, I'll remember that <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Gotcha. Um. Well, you can. Very easily find me on Twitter. Uh, I am Kiln Themed Potter um, on Twitter. You would also find me on Instagram, uh, also Kiln Themed Potter. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook with that, although that Facebook page is not really all that built out. So maybe you prefer to go to my Instagram <laughs> or Twitter instead. Um, one of the so so uh, in case you didn't know, I am also a ceramics artist, aka Potter. So um, you can find my work at killandfiendpottery.com and it's I would say to the rest of the community like hey you know this this game is amazing it there's something about it that draws the most amazing people to it and it's wonderful that we've all found each other through this game and through this amazing community but yeah I'm going to absolutely agree with Taya like you know you don't have to engage with it right now the world is a tough place 
Um, there seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's still hard. So do what you can to take care of yourself. And I'm putting my like black mana mage hat on, you know, no one is going to take care of you as well as you can yourself. And you are the only person who is going to be able to reliably, who you can rely on in order to represent yourself and your interests well. So <laughs> be honest with yourself, take care of yourself, stay stay safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, <laughs> um, get your get 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 vaccinated, <laughs> pet your pet your dog, pet your cat. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Drink some water. Uh, healthy so we can get drafting again. Wear some sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> All I, right. I'm just Thank turning into both. a mom. I'm just turning into a magic mom. <laughs> Put it's a sweater fine. on. You always oh. have been, Michelle. You have been you, like game mom. You as radiate long as mom you. energy so strong. <laughs> it's cold. Put a sweater on. Have you eaten today? You look too skinny. <laughs> sit down i'll make you some tea <laughs> all right uh that just about does it thank you both so much thank you yeah, yeah thank, thank you, you for having us